Hi, and welcome to Gender Nebulous Season 2. We are now starting our second season, and we have a really exciting um, guest today. We have Eliana Rubashkin, feminist, intersex, human rights activist and scientist, normally known as Ellie. So, Ellie, welcome. And my co-host, Miss Frida Wallace. All right. Well, I've been speaking to Ellie a few times on Twitter and we had a few conversations and I was really sort of, I was horrified basically at the the amount of abuse she was getting and the amount of just made up nonsense about, because we know what happened in New Zealand and we know, because that's how, obviously, I think that's how most of us got to know who Ellie was. But in reading more about Ellie, it just became more apparent why she took that action and what it was about. So it was. We. I just really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us today, Ali. So thank you. And um, so I think you know what. What's interesting to me is your story. I mean, you've got such a an interesting kind of. I didn't even know there's an actual Wikipedia page about you before I. Actually, yeah. So is that correct? Yeah, is, that, is that information correct? That's on there. It wasn't correct and it hasn't been and it's been frustrating to me um, how people talk about me with corroborating the facts and mm. so many media articles, especially the ones done like in 2016, 17, they just take advantage of me of not being a native speaker and not understanding mm. very well some words and how they con- you know, connect words and also um, the way they understand me, because my accent is hard to understand. So I, I want to, uh, both of you, be aware that my accent is very rich. I'm not a native speaker. I do speak many languages. Speak I think my brain, my brain is clogged with sometimes being very eloquent when I speak in English. And, um, and sometimes the things I say are not understood right. You know, yeah. if I say 14, it sounds like 40 and then people hear the number 40 and say, oh, 40 lawyers have, have given <laughs> help, provided help to Eliana when it actually was 14, one four. Yeah, it was my accent. So I'm giving you an example of how media yeah. doesn't let me check my own, my own, you know, when I communicate because it's just my accent. You know? well, there's okay, a lot, there's don't a lot worry to... about that. We'll, we'll. Yeah, I was say, sure there's we'll a lot to talk about. So your story is really interesting. So. How did you end up living in New Zealand? Because like you were a were, were you a asylum seeker at, at one point? Yeah. yeah. So I am a daughter of a refugee that was born to refugees, and yeah. I became myself a refugee. And if things go really bad as they are going, but let's hope not, I will become twice of a refugee. So I would be. I would be four generations, including myself, Mm -hmm. twice a refugee because how I ended up in Colombia, it's 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 a really long story that I'm not I don't want to go through like all that story. But in a in a nutshell, my mom was born in Ukraine four years after the Holocaust. Many family members died in the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. My great grandma survived the Holocaust. Uh, She actually gave me in this treasure that I like to show to people so this is a book of torah wow it's 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 being desecrated nearly burned actually you can see the burn marks yeah the back it's a bit of a relic yeah and this book survived my family and actually this book has literally the blood of my family on it wow wow 
This reminds me of uh, something I got. I'm interested in art and like uh, relics. And there's an artist called Christian Boltansky. I don't know if you've heard of Boltansky. And he did a lot lot of work with photographs of people that fled Germany during the Holocaust and before that. And this reminds me of those things. Yeah, and this book is like uh, more than 200 years old. So this book has survived a lot of anti-Semitism, especially anti-Semitism in the Russian Empire that's been one of the worst ones because Mm -hmm. in the Russian Empire, my family experienced pogroms and you name it. And this is a little bit of of me. So this is my mom, the little girl here. Mm -hmm. My great-grandma, she survived the Holocaust and my grandma here. And this is my mom with my grandma in the fields of Ukraine. I will not go, yeah, I will not go much into the details of the relationship with my mom and my grandma because there is aspects of that history that are very very tough um Mm -hmm. the fact that i don't know who's my grandfather and that my grandfather died in a gulag it just shows how complicated Mm -hmm. the aftermath of world war ii remain especially in ukraine um yeah so i will not go into that detail but that dynamic contributed to the desire of my mom of simply leaving the soviet union Together with anti-Semitism that never left, you know, the hearts and minds of Russians and Ukrainians. The type of anti-Semitism that will prevent Jewish people from accessing universities. So mm-hmm. they would put quotas of 1% to Jews to uh, access to be able to study in universities and so forth. So my mom mentioned that type of things. And uh, in general, like my family was always under the scrutiny of the state for mm. that particular situation that gave a genesis to my mom because my mom was born my mom is a product of rape i'm so sorry to say it but no, no, my mom yeah so my mom was born in that sort of condition mm. and she was born um in a prison and as she was born in a prison she was registered as a, a daughterless person like she was mm. not she didn't have a mom, um, sorry, motherless. And then after she she was in an orphanage after my great grandparents took care of her. Um, my grandma was occasionally visiting her, but my grandma really didn't like my mom. I guess th- there were some reasons that are, mm-hmm. you know, if you experience sexual violence, I think you will have. But it was obviously not fair with someone like my mom to have to deal with something that is not her responsibility um so my mom despite of all of that like she grew up in a system in the soviet system she did not speak ukrainian at home despite of my great-grandparents speaking ukrainian and my grandma my grandma speaking ukrainian because my mom was in the midst of the russification process and when the soviet union was making you russian mandatory and other languages pretty much like eliminating them slowly yeah. like ukrainian has been in the elimination since i think the russians have been trying to make empires so my mom left the soviet union in by marrying um the father of my brother and that's how she's she left the soviet union because you couldn't really just escape the soviet union becoming a refugee from the soviet union was not an easy task because no. it was totally close to the world but when you marry someone you are are given that sort of right of 
keeping the family unit together and then you are allowed to leave your country. So that's how my, in one way, I don't know if plan or not, because my mom really doesn't talk much about that. She managed to escape the Soviet Union. Mm, she left whatever she could take, you know, and she ended up in Colombia. So that that's like an amazing story. That's a, that's a that's a book in itself. That story, and it reminds me a lot of the stories of people in Europe, and they're all displacement stories. Like the story of Britain and the story of Europe is the story of immigration. It's the story of people fleeing war and trying to find a better place. And that's like this is why these arguments you see in the British press about immigration all the time. It's like the whole thing is the whole. The old union, the old European Union, and the and the in England and Britain is based on immigration, and these stories like a there's so many stories that are untold because people just want to forget because they're full of trauma. People are full of trauma from those times. Like I know that from my own family. Like my mum will not talk about the things my grandma and my auntie experience because she's been told not to talk about them, and the reason is because they don't they want to get over it. They want to move on. They don't want to be rooted in that trauma but the thing is those are important stories to tell because it explains why there is so much fracture in society now like the way it, that it also explains the historical material reality yeah. of mine because my mom as a single mother historically we haven't been deprived from having any type of normal life like any other persons being mm -hmm. homeless most of our lives and having to struggle and live in misery it, as a result of the abandonment of the states. I mean, mm -hmm. general, as a state, as a, as, a, as a figure that doesn't really look after single mothers. And it, also, uh, it, also, it also reminds me like why you would take a strong reaction when you see actual Nazis on the street of Melbourne. You know, where yeah. have we ever seen that? We'd never see that before. The 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 emboldenedness of it, and it's like a and 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 some people play it down. They say oh, it's performative. It's 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 uh it's postmodern. It's not real. And it's like yes, it is real because the people that have those kind of memories, I mean, yeah. it's, and it's they are repeating and they are repeating uh, uh, the history of the nineteen twenties and thirties by the book in a very, uh, as they say accelerated way mm. um, I, I do remember exactly how the holocaust developed it, I know it was just not all of a sudden it required anti-semitism just to be in the air as it's always been mm. and as it always will be but and even, I mean in this country but, even as late as the 1950s and 60s you would see swastikas on walls and it's like the, we have the national front in this country it's like it doesn't go away and it's and it, and it takes a lot to fight it because it's a kind of way of because because people feel powerless and those symbols have power. So I think I a think lot of I, I call, sometimes I call that the sexual anxieties that yeah, yeah, the doctrines of patriarchy and even capitalism as a system that requires patriarchy. Actually, capitalism is just the evolution of patriarchy, but and then patriarchy is simply um, it's an ideology. Yeah, that yeah. requires uh, men to have a particular sexual behavior that mm. goes against a natural urges that men and everyone has, humans have. And that sort of causes anxiety, particularly in men that can that need to own things, yeah. houses, property, capital. And that's why they need to own a woman's bodies. And that's yeah. that's where that's where the first oppression, I think. 
But that's the main first oppression that we are starting to, um, you know, uh, develop. And that's what I call the defeat of womanhood and women. Yeah. So that's when women were defeated. And every is- time that they see that their system is at risk because we queers are not very compliant to that system of accumulation of property and capital, we are the first to go. And that's why faggots were bundles of wood used to burn the witches, which were the <laughs> feminists at the time. Yeah, yeah. They started burning faggots and they ended up burning women or humans. And that's like humans, I mean, Jews or like any minority mm. that they have a fixation for. Yeah, this is why it's so, really frustrating for me that they, they think like the way that certain people within this kind of trans exclusionary movement like to think of them as the witches. They're not the witches. They, 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 they are the, the this idea of they being for women or uh, standing for women don't stand for anything. The reason their version of feminism is accepted is because it serves the patriarchy. They know there are pow- the, the the men that fund that movement, the free speech union, the people that I've researched, the policy exchange. It's like there's the think tank in this country. They're they're very rich men. A lot of them are linked to some very dark kind of money here. I mean, this is, a, I don't really want to get into all that, but it's like, it's, it's the funding of it comes from very rich male patrons. And the reason they're willing to back somebody like Kelly Keane is because. Yeah, I mean, for example, yeah, Pussy, um, I mean, the Nazi, Nazi adjacent lady, um, she's, she's stated many times she's been funded by CPAC. She came yeah. to New Zealand with money from CPAC. Oh, yeah. Why yeah. is doing that? What CPAC has to do with the demo- democracy of New Zealand? Absolutely mm-hmm. nothing. New, New Zealand is an independent country. I was going to say, Nothing. have you heard of Jonathan Ailing? No. He's 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 a, he's like a very he's he's like a what you call a free speech advocate in New Zealand, and he, and he oh and yeah. He, and these are the right wing people that fund. Uh, basically, met Posey Parker when she came to New Zealand off the plane, and basically escorted her around. And the reason she's useful to them is because she's like a recruitment tool, because because they've they, I I assume that they can see that they can in, in bring women into a, a more right-wing way of thinking through her and i think that's why it works i think that's why it works for them and it's powerful yeah. for them so no, yeah. in right-wing women has been always part of the struggle uh for women liberation um the suffragettes back in the day have white women that were not considered black women women yeah, yeah. because not just to be a woman you need to needed to be a white woman and this concept of purity this concept of innocence that they want to constantly portray as like we have to protect the purity and innocence of white women and children. Yeah, okay. that's, I mean, we see this all the time, don't they? Because they criticize trans women in the same way because they'll say, oh, well, you know, why are you acting all sexual? How dare you be sexual? You know, how dare you show your body? It's like, well, you know, what are you trying to control there? What, what is what is this thing that you're frightened yeah. of? You know, and it's all, it's all this kind of... It's, uh, they would call it degeneracy, and they always would call it that way, fascism as a as an ideology. It's, yeah, we could say that yeah. it was framed by, you know, in Nazi, sorry, in Italy, in, uh, you know, as, as a proper, you know, political ideology with the structure. But it's the spirit of fascism is always being um, when society is trying to understand itself differently, and those, mm-hmm. those struggles have been always there and they've been, um, in fact, every time that you see that the queers are being killed or being queers, even though in humanity and throughout history, we've always been there. 
is mm. when that anxiety that that these need to have as much labor as possible because that's what serves capitalism patriarchy is to have mm. as, as an army of men suffering and destroying planet earth that's yeah. the main purpose of them and they understand that's why they want to make sure that abortion is not <laughs> you cannot access abortion because they need they need laborers they need to be able to exploit mm. people they need poor people because this capitalism doesn't work if people are not poor you need to have people in misery so you can have a life in with luxury and with all this um you know we, we know that very well we understand that capitalism is it, it goes against all of us women queers and disabled people people of color and and we are in the other end of the spectrum and we are actually minorities that can be majority if we get together and i think that's what that they feel afraid that's why they hate woke and all of that because they know that we can be a bigger monster if we go together well, yeah, I was going to yeah. say, because we, because it's Pride Month in, you know, it's Pride Month all around the world at the moment, and you'll see these people saying groomers, they call, they, anything they see that they see as, uh, you know, LGBTQ, now it's it, they say it's grooming, and that's linking it directly to kind of some kind of sexual misconduct and paedophilia, and they know what they're doing, and people are people, yeah, no, this, is, this is... They, instead of you know that it's a fascist idea it's the idea of degeneracy the idea that there's the the der untermensch that's where it comes from it's 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 written into the fabric of fascism and 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 the fact that some people in the media can't see this it's that old history repeating thing mm. so i'm <laughs> i know that i'm talking a lot vicky you're not really said for oh, i was just yeah i was just going to say let's if we go back to you know your 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 bit of your journey your background Ellie, you know, yeah, because I forgot to mention, um, I forgot to mention that I was born with a condition that doctors call today partial androgen insensitivity syndrome. So you you were born is, in, uh, in in Bogota in in Colombia. Yeah, I was born in Bogota, Colombia. Um, when you when your mum moved over there from, um, so you moved in there. Actually, I want to show you something. So this what, is what year was that when you moved over? So as you can even see here, because this is my mom's Soviet Union. Documents. It's a Soviet Union document. You can even see the face of Lenin in oh, one of them. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so what, what, year did she, what year did she so move to Colombia? You can see. So she left on 1976 on August. Right. So that's when she arrived to Colombia. So she arrived to Colombia and then she left. She, she, she was there for around 10 years. Before having me, because I was born in 1988. Yeah, I was so, say. yeah. So, so my brother. On this, is, this, is, this is just before my mom right. left. So this is in Crimea, in Ukraine. Right. I think she was having some holidays with my brother, who's that's having that and, that. and that's my mom. And the other kid, I have no idea who's that other kid. And that photo was taken in 1977, actually. So it's so my mom left in the late seventies, um, because my brother was kind of like this age when she left. He was like four, five years old. Um, yeah. So my mom arrived to Colombia, and her husband have abandoned her, which is very sad. And she really couldn't speak the language, and she couldn't go back to the Soviet Union's embassy to ask help and 
she was really like homeless. And how, how did your mum survive in Colombia? Probably didn't know the language. Yeah, how so so that's my mom is a is a warrior, and I really admire that woman because. Yeah, I mean, if it's difficult, because it was difficult for me when I went to Taiwan in the same sort of setting, but I did not have a, a kid to look after. Yeah. And at that time, my mom was not in the best relationship with my family. So she was completely on her own, completely alone and completely disconnected from the world and living in a country that was in the middle of a civil war. And not just that, she was at the time when the peak of that civil war was like at the bad at the worst which is the 80s at the 80s colombia was just a whole mess because the cocaine um yeah. you know markets starting to kind of be, like cooking became a thing so and all that low money the, and all of that yeah areas yeah so my mom lived in the favela areas and, and she still does so i just right. want to let you know that she right. still does she still but she's there. happy yeah, and she's still happy. She still ha she loves where she lives because she created a community that looks after her. And my mom is a pediatrician. Wow. That's another thing. Uh, but she couldn't be for a really long time. Like for 15 or 20 years, she was not allowed to practice because it, mm. it, took, her, it, it, took, it was a process for her. Yeah. It was quite a process. It was quite actually really late. But because of that, my mom was the healer and... She took mm. care of all the babies of that favela community and they love her and they adore her. And mm. even until today, she's now not working because she can't. But still people come and visit her and my mom still gives her, you know, advice. So, and yeah, so, you, so my so mom has... Growing up as a kid in, in, the, in that area, I mean, how, how did you yeah. get to the point where you want, you want, you know, you went to Taiwan for a educational reasons so i was born i was born different i was born with a body that was not easily identifiable as male or female and i couldn't use i mean every time i needed to use a toilet i really need i needed to ask yeah. my mom to mm. accompany me to be with me and mm -hmm. using a toilet became for me a source of shame mm. and it became very difficult, I, yeah. very complicated because I couldn't pee standing. I needed to use toilet seats. Most of the toilet seats on, on male toilets tend to be really disgusting or male toilets yeah. tend to be very disgusting, at least in my experience. It's a very weird delineation, um, isn't it? Like they're standing there, the boys and girls' toilets. Why don't we just all sit down? You know, why, why is yeah, this? You know, no, like, why why yeah. is that? You know, it's like, what is it about boys that need to learn how to aim? <laughs> I, I really don't know because in, then, so I had to, first, I would work out strategies not to drink too much liquid. So mm. if I'm outside, I don't have to use a public toilet because wow. if I have to use a public toilet, I have to probably go to the female toilet and back in that time when I was struggling with who I was, I was presenting as a male or I would be perceived as one in a way because I always have this voice. But And then going into a female's toilet just to use a toilet, it was it, it was a nightmare. I just mm -hmm. remember that to be in a torture for me every time. But did you Did you understand what you were going through at the time? Did you, did, did you understand the concept of it to sex at that point? No, I only yeah. knew that I had a genital deformity or yeah. pseudo-hermaphrodite or 
and something that I kept to myself, and it was a source of shame. That's so one of the reasons why I couldn't have friends. Boy. Yeah, I was forced to con to conforming to being a boy. When I was at eight years old, they needed to do some surgeries that I really did not understand, and I did not consent to. Um, they needed to take. They they remove one of my gonads because yeah. they couldn't be descended, and they they said that they could develop into cancer or something like that. Mm. They didn't tell me exactly what they were doing. I think that's more like the idea of you, 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 they're like they don't want you to be they don't want you to be in the middle. They want you to be one thing or the other. So it's like yeah, this kind they of gave forced, me forced gendered forcing. Kind of yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's you like, had you had no control over what was being done to you at that age. I would nothing. Say nothing and it was very yeah. horrible to feel that they were experimenting with me because it felt yeah. that way and yeah, yeah. when they grew me testosterone i remember the doctor saying oh we hope this is going to help me to develop abnormal puberty and this and so forth and then when i was 12 i started to develop this breast and i started to develop like pretty much nothing I couldn't develop any body hair. I just grew some hair on my face, some facial hair. I remember being able to grow at some point. Um, but I just really couldn't feminize in any way or form. I have no body hair. This is one of the things that people cannot understand. I just can't develop any body hair. Like I am completely, I'll, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's the, I don't have to shave. Sometimes yeah. I just have to pluck some hairs around see, here, but it, what's, in, what's interesting to me, like in some cultures in the world, that would be celebrated. You know, there are certain cultures, like I know there are certain African tribes that used to do. In my like, where, culture, if, if, if they, somebody, the Chipcha yeah. people, we in my, I come from the Chipcha people, which is the Muisca. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they were mostly genocided, but in my culture, uh, when my father comes from, because my father sadly abandoned me after I was born, he was like, I'm not going to deal with a child that looks like that. That's not wow. none of my business. So I, but I know my mom tells me that my grand, my, my father was, he was very indigenous looking and he comes from a part of Colombia, oh, sorry, of my area where I lived in the Cundinamarca area where it was heavily, you know, um, genetically, they have a very heavy component of indigenous. Um, and after making a DNA test, I find out that I actually have their genes. I'm actually 25%, yeah. 25% indigenous, which you can't see. Yeah. And my people, we call our type of intersex Furatena people. And we were considered healers. Yeah. We were healers. We were shamans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This we is were... quite common. Yeah, we find this. And it's like a and 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 on the trans spectrum as well. I think it's uh, you do you do find that that it's a very modern Western thing, and it's a colonial thing to to have two genders. It's a, it's a this this gender binary thing is is a, it's quite a recent adopt. Because I when I went to school in my school when I was young, we had di different entrances. You had a boys. It. I mean, I'm not really that old, but I went to a school where nuns. It was like a convent like christian thing and you had different entrances and i used to question that from a very that's how i kind of knew i was trans because i knew why are you making me walk through this door when i want to walk where the girls are going and that because of those binaries i i, I didn't want them, them to be so far apart i wanted it to be a bit more in the middle so because i recognized that and i would ask those questions i was ostracized for asking those questions and that's when you know there's some there's some kind of problem it's not the problem within you it's the problem from outside 
And um, I think that's that's the that's the thing. Like this is what gen when people talk about gender affirming care, they're just talking about maybe meeting somebody in the middle, not not transing them, not not mutilating them. Like why you just don't leave me? Because to be honest with you, I would just would love to just live alone. Just leave me alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me figure out myself later on in life. Maybe when I'm in my 14s and my 50s, <laughs> I will understand what what is what You're is going on. Making me feel old, Ali. Yeah. I can't. I couldn't develop any idea of sexuality or gender in a genuine manner because I was so confused mm. about my own body. Well, I, and I, I, no one was helping me to understand myself. So for me, or what LGBT people describes, it's different because I felt it in a different manner. I actually mm -hmm. sometimes even feel that all the harm in hormones that were given to me from like when I was eight until 12 and onwards, in a way affected my psyche. And it, it, it maybe, you know, contributed to me to develop, you know, this desire of becoming a woman. Mm -hmm. I don't know, because in my part of my life there, when I was like in my teens, I would say eight to 10, I do remember feeling I was a boy, but mm -hmm. not the conventional one. Actually, I have a photo of my brother grooming me <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is me you can see how they were so committed into like you know, yeah. blue 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 colored and yeah. this I, I like my si my si my sister used to doll me up and she used to do my makeup and she used to treat me like a little bit of a doll but that but she didn't see any problem with it and i did but my parents were kind of like oh why are you doing that because because you know frida's well i was freddie then so it's like mm. frida's a boy so why why you know but but it was never like a problem for my sister and that's why i kind of gravitated to like because i always socialized with her and because she was she was nurturing and she she wanted to play those games and she wanted to dance to music and, and everything was kind of joyous when she was around and it was easy. I feel like that. I remember I did not yeah. like traditionally masculine things. I knew yeah. I knew I would end up well, being like, a woman. I used, to, I, used to find it, I, used to, I used to find it quite <laughs> frightening because like my brother, his friends were very loud and they would make me feel anxious because it's not because I couldn't be loud. I could be quite loud and, you know, um unruly and, and naughty, but there was a certain energy that I that boys and men it sort of frightened me a little bit. And I think that that's kind of another energy that that is real, you know. And it, maybe it's that misogyny want, that you feel. Exactly. And I want yeah. to show you something about this very same book, the same Torah, in the very beginning, when you open this book, and I don't have that chapter, but it's the very beginning. So it says Bereshit bara Elohim. Mm, it's the first yes. three words on the on Hebrew and the Hebrew language. The way God is mentioned in the beginning and yes. in Hebrew, you have to really understand the meaning of words because words have so many other meanings. Yes. It's actually not in the beginning God created, but it's in wisdom. Elohim yes. Yes. created. Yes, that's right. And that in wisdom, Elohim, Elohim is a male female name for God because yeah, El, is... El is male, Eloi is female, Elohim yeah. is male, female gods and goddesses. Well, I've been reading a That's... lot of Jewish, yes, this stuff, because I've got the uh, Kaddish on my show. You can't see it at the moment, but I've got, because this is the stuff, because I just love the kind of, there's a sort of magic to it. You know yeah, I mean? and, and, and the, my point with this is that that same, that same God, 
created Adam in his image. And mm -hmm. in his image created he them. They call he because his religion is being co-opted by patriarchy. Yes. And they're trying to make God male. Even though in Hebrew there is Shekinah, which is also God, but it's a female God. So what I want to say is that God created Adam, Arishon, Adam the first as male and female. So Adam, right. Arishon, right. the first living being was male and female. Was You could say intersex, you can say hermaphrodite. You can say whatever. So it's not first was Adam and Eve was actually and it's a, an intersex. Yeah. An intersex This is yeah. something that I've been reading about. And it's also not, it goes, honestly, it goes further back. It goes like into Egyptian texts. It goes, it goes way back. You know, they, this idea of there's no, there's no, like this, this rigid gender binary is like a very new thing. And it's like. Yeah. So, and in so Jackson, you have six, you have six variations of sex characteristics. They have also in trans people is mentioned as a gender in Judaism back back in the day. That's why I don't understand when someone like Ben Shapiro comes with facts, don't care about your feelings. I say, Ben, you should start reading your own books that you all protect yeah. and defend because go read about what androgynous people is. And in fact, when you read in the Talmud, a very old book, uh, what the wise men of Israel were doing back in the time when they have an intersex person, First, they did not mutilate them. Second, they figure out that they cannot decide for themselves what that person's gender and what that person's uh, mitzvot should perform because they were trying to figure out you have to perform mitzvot for women or mitzvot for men. Do you use tefillin or not? What is yeah. all the concept of circumcision, which is a thing that I disagree heavily with, but it's a thing that's done on emails. And in, in a nutshell, all of those things, how they make any sense with someone is born like me, like me. Yeah, yeah. And I have I this constant conversations yeah, with rabbis because I did my transition in an ultra-Orthodox Haredi house in Taiwan. Mm. And this is something that I haven't mentioned in other stories. But they didn't know, but I was confused and I needed house in protection because I was homeless. Right. And in these houses, they give you home when you're homeless. And I was there, I was working as a mashgicha. I was just checking the cooking, helping with the cooking and all of that. But at the same time, I was saying to the rabbi, Rabbi, I am intersex and I want to be a woman. And you <laughs> see me as a man. Can you? And I remember how confusing for the rabbi was to deal with someone like me. And he was frightened. He said, I never in my life yeah. had to deal with something so complex that I have no but answers. But it's not really complex. It's, it's No, but this is how he felt. Yeah. Because even in this religion, it's very binary. Even if the religion itself gives you clues of, of non-binary because Is that not because the religion becomes politicized? And obviously patriarchy no. is part of the politicization of religion. And I, I know Vic here, we're, we were talking before about how you became an activist. And the, we can sort of see from what your background, why you know, these things that are going on with trans people, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a clear rise and um, more, I mean, it's it's so much more amplified now because of social media, probably, of anti-trans rhetoric. And it's like, where's that coming from? And I think it's because we're living in a very insecure time where people want to hold on to absolutes and they want certainty. And unfortunately, there isn't a lot of certainty in the world. There's not a lot. No, of they need can... And that's why conspiracy theories are so comfortable, because with conspiracy theories, you understand the world easily in a very simple way, mm -hmm. in binaries, in we are the good this people, a... they are the bad people, they are pedophiles. So 
LGBTQI people are pedophiles. It's easy mm -hmm. for me because if I hate them, it's easy for me to hate them because exactly. who will love a pedophile? Um, they will use all and this demonization. It's 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 important when you use hate as politics. Yeah. Because hate move, hate hates is powerful. Hate is used by fascism. Okay. Fear is beautiful, and this man knows the power of fear because it's the, yeah. it's the eros and thanatos. If you control these two forces in a human, you control you control humanity, and they know that very well. And that's why mm -hmm. they are they, they are in this agenda now. They, they, something that people ignore is that the Holocaust did not begin with like killing Jews it began no, no, with no. killing queers because it always begins with the weakest links of society and the yeah. links that are they consider the most degenerate okay mm. and we are the most degenerate this because because in the in the early part of the 20th century and this is how you got abstract you know our art you know like art would always be the thing that criticized fascism and it still does this is why I think Dylan Mul you know Dylan Mulvaney is important because Dylan Mulvaney represents that thing that that exposes fascism because it's it's kind of ridiculous. It's got that kind of surrealism element to it, and those strains in art were always about criticizing fascism because that it will expose it. Because if you're in, if you're any, you know what I mean. If you're somebody that is like easily triggered, is it will find you first. And and that's why it's like it's it, it, this is why I like what Dylan Mulvaney does because he she manages to even though she's clowning around clowning is part of it but it's really kind of surreal and it's kind of interesting how it exposes fascism and it's that part of also ridicule. I was reading a book called Rape: The Rape of the Mind. Yeah, because yeah. I and I recommend to I recommend you to read that book because that book helps you to understand how. Yeah, I've heard about this. Uh, yeah, how people fall into believing fascism because it's not it's not natural for humans to mm. just naturally hate so much that it just guide their lives. But we've seen how J.K. Rowling and other terms um, guide their entire lives just for to hate a minority. Yeah, but because cool. that force is strong, and in Germany we have a liberation Weim during Weimar Germany. It was not you exactly. can call you cannot call it a liberation, but. We were kind of being free, and Hirschfeld, a Jewish uh, bisexual doctor, starting to realize: look, look, the nature is as colorful as we can imagine it, and sexuality is ne not any different. Like the same way we have different skin tones, heights, body shapes, body types, and genes and languages, we our sexuality is as complex as any other part of the yeah. human identity. That's right. um, and Hirschfeld was one of the first victims of the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And his institute were the books that they took from that institute were talking about transgender health care. We're talking about intersex. I wouldn't say that these words have been used at that time. I remember that you, they would mention intersex people as hermaphrodites, trans people, we call them effeminate men or whatever. But we were there, you know, we will be being always in that history. And we were the first victims of the Holocaust, the first gender affirming surgery uh the person that had that surgery was killed that day and not many people talk about that she was killed on the 9th of april sorry 9th of april of 19 sorry 6th of may of 1933 mm -hmm. the very same day the nazis raided the institute hirschfeld institute and then the very same day at night they burned all these books and all these mm -hmm. um 
uh, you know, all this, the history this is, of art. Yeah. yeah. yeah this, is, this is why you had that, that tradition of theatre and the, the ridiculous, you know, like in uh, Berlin, because I think it was criticising, was fascism. It was like, say, how outrageous can we be? Because, you know, this is where the drag, like this sort of vaudeville kind of, kind of tradition comes out of it's because like you have to criticize the status quo and it, that's and the like, power of ridicule they mentioned in the yeah. rape of the mind because fascist mm -hmm. and authoritarian leaders yeah. don't have humor they don't know yeah, what yeah, humor yeah, exactly. is they can't. so when is, you humiliate them with let's say tomatoes or something like yeah, that yeah, yeah, then that humiliation it's something that you cannot recover from because that's that's bigger than any other weapon you can yeah, use that is art that is art at the end of the day this is why this is why my favorite artists like tracy emin and people like that people say oh, it's, is it art no it doesn't matter i'm not interested in whether you like the look of it or not it's the fact that she's willing to go that far in in making her own body her artwork and 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 that is it and that i'm not interested and in i it. think i think that Halsey parker was a piece of art of how you defeat fascism no, it, with ridicule. Uh, ironically, though, what Kate, what Posey Parker does is a performance. You know, she's performing. It's like, do, do you know that guy, Alex Jones? He was like the ranty guy. Oh. Yeah. She, when she's doing a YouTube thing, she very much reminds me of Alex Jones because she's got a little following of people. And it's kind of an endorphin rush. The people that watch it, they might not be fully on board with the conspiracy theories, but they enjoy to watch it because it's interesting watching somebody that is that manic. Do you know what I mean? And and that is interesting, but it is a performance. But 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 behind, like this isn't me saying she doesn't, she isn't uh, aligned to, you know, what you say is fascist adjacent or whatever. I'm pretty sure she's funded by some very, you know, fascist people. It's not, but, yeah, it's not. I, I just because in Nazi ideology, women have no room or space. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Women are just handmaidens. So it's uh, for me, it's hard to call a woman a Nazi. Yeah. But I know that Nazis, I well, know is... that female, female, females were very important. It's like Eva Brown was as irrelevant as you can imagine. We don't know anything about Eva Brown because she, politically she was nothing. She mm. did not say anything. Exactly, yeah. But Tulsi Parker is like an Eva Brown, but with a political uh, agenda that is very aligned. Yeah. Have you have you seen the have you seen the uh, series on on uh, Amazon called Hunters? It's about, it's got Hal Pacino and it's about Nazi hunters. It's really fascinating. It kind of touches on, it doesn't go into a lot of detail of what you said, but it touches on those ideas. And it, it's it's a kind of like Avengers kind of thing, but I really loved it because it kind of, the stuff that's happening now with the uh, TERFs and trans activists and stuff, it reminded me of that. And I think it's a very powerful message. Anyway, <laughs> so I've gone off on a bit of a tangent yeah. to, to bring to bring it back down a little well, bit. Well, I was just going to say, you know, Ellie, you, your your journey when you you know when you went to Taiwan and then ended up in Hong Kong. And you, so yeah, so I, you just, I was you just about some of the some of the kind of struggles that you had during that period because I know it's kind so of I would say there's that, a lot of interesting things going on. But yeah, yeah. So Colombia was very difficult for me. It's my country, and I love it deeply, and I love my country. Mm -hmm profoundly but it's a country that is very unsafe for people like me especially if you belong to a low class okay because colombia is stratified in classes and i grew up in a in a world and I, I i still consider myself low class even though i don't live a low class life anymore in new zealand uh, i just middle class i would say but right now i'm an employee so maybe i will go back to the low <laughs> class in a nutshell 
that also I was surrounded by violence in all forms in ways that you cannot imagine. At some point, my city in my part of town had 1,000 homicides per week. So mm -hmm. I just give you a context. So I saw the things that I will not describe because I don't want to. It's just too, too hardcore mm -hmm. uh, to describe things. But I was subjected as well to that violence. I was stabbed when I was 17. I was shoot at, not me, but a group of trans people that we were outside in, we were in a bar. We were shoot at, um, and after that, and after graduating, because I was just about to graduate as a chemist, I told myself I have to leave this country as up. I can't, I just can't, I really, and uh, I was a very good student. I've been always been a very good student and I got a scholarship and I did apply for many countries, but it just luck and ended up being Taiwan. And I was like, okay, that's just different enough and far away enough. I just wanted to really start a new life. Not you no one in the no. PhD, were you? Is that was that yeah, yeah. In public health, infection diseases. So I wanted to do a focus on infection diseases, which will be quite useful these days, by the way. So that's a shame I couldn't finish that. Because I went to Taiwan, I First thing I began is my process of gender transition and understanding myself, my body. That's when I actually got a proper name for my condition. I got to understand that I did not have one testicle because I wasn't sure about that because I couldn't so you, really have check on. So you had access what, to healthcare and, and this is how you managed to yes. discover this about yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. but back in the day, trans people could not access all gender affirming care until like you needed to dress up like for a year or so. Yeah, yeah. And you had like a psychological process in Taiwan back in the day. But because I was intersex, like the doctors are like, okay, no, you are one of those that we can go put, put whatever, we can do whatever we want if, as long as you please, you know, because so I'm already be in a consensual kind of age. Bit of an advantage for you, I guess, to be able to. It is an advantage, but if you think that, it just shows how fact. Oh, we stopped meant to trans people and that you have that desire to modify the medical system is uncomfortable with you being intersex so much that they will yeah. offer you all these treatments which are uh, if you want to have these treatments done it's perfect for you but i would say why we don't use the resources that are this medical systems use on intersex people mutilating them without their consent and actually use those resources to give um, transgender people access to gender mm -hmm. affirming care because I think you may balance the equation quite well. Mm. And, but this is just a thought I always have. Yeah. Mm. When I was in Taiwan, I was studying. I was in this process of gender transitioning. I was also living in that Havad house in, in Taipei, in a way, because I, I couldn't live there all the time. Because it's, it's a house that has people moving in, coming in. And, and it's very uncomfortable when you're transitioning, you're becoming more feminine. And you, mm -hmm. to be in a ultra-orthodox house, you know, it's like not the right place to be. But I, I managed to navigate the complexities of doing that at the same time as I was transitioning. The problem I had is that when I started taking actual estrogen for the very first time, I realized that my body was very sensitive to estrogen. So that estrogen hypersensitivity show up in only three months after mm -hmm. transition. So your particular, so your your particular type of intersex is you, is that you have you're very sensitive to estrogen, but you have a high resistance to testosterone. Is that exactly? And that's why when they were giving me testosterone, and they were they were giving me more testosterone than my process my body can even understand 
my body naturally transform it into estrogen. Right. There is an enzyme called aromatase mm-hmm. that is very sensitive in my case, which means that even, even if I, I'm forced to have testosterone, it would end up becoming estrogen. So either way, estrogen, estrogen things started to change really quickly, how I think. Exactly. Once you go right away into the estrogen part of it, then the process was so quick. I I would like to show you how I used to look. I don't know where is my transport. I have it somewhere. I wanted to show you how I used to look before. And the, when I actually landed in Taiwan and how I look, I think I have a photo here. This is when I was yeah, in Taiwan. I see that. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Okay. Yeah. So, and this is this is a document in Taiwan. You can see that this yeah, is a Taiwanese yeah. document. Yeah. So, so how, how long ago was that? That was in 2012. Right. Wow. In 2011. So I began my therapy, and my face really changed a lot. And because my appearance changed so much, my passport stopped being useful. Wow. And in Taiwan, Taiwan doesn't have relationships with Colombia because it's not a country. Mm-hmm. My Colombia doesn't consider Colombia. Uh, Colombia doesn't consider Taiwan a country. So th- I don't have ways to have diplomatic assistance so as I am in a country. There's no, there's no um, embassy or anything. Exactly. And, so. they, and they could help me if because I called many times to the ex- ministers of exter- exterior affairs and multiple embassies say like please help me i don't want to leave taiwan knowing that my passport doesn't work as a document of id and the taiwanese authorities are not letting me renew the next year of my scholarship because they say that i am not that person and bureaucratically speaking they need to make sure i am that person so i became i was i became in a problem in a very stupid problem i i'm a pharmacist and when i learn pharmacy uh, we learn about side effects of medications, but I never expected that hormone replacement therapy had a side effect, which is making me stateless. So you were stuck in Taiwan with a Colombian passport and mm. a Taiwanese identity card, and neither of them looked like you. Yeah. Yeah. So, how, so then how did you get to Hong Kong? So funnily enough, they let me leave the country to a closer embassy the closest embassy of colombia which was the hong kong consulate in hong kong yeah and that's what i did i flew i went to hong kong once i landed in hong kong i went just with like enough clothes for like two days that's how i went so your your plan was to go to the embassy get your passport updated and then go back to taiwan exactly yes indeed so so you went from there to new zealand no 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 i got detained in the airport I was abused by the immigration officers. I was placed naked for eight hours in a cell. I was placed with other men. I was forced to use toilets in front of men. I was liable for deportation to Colombia. And I managed to find a way to contact a LGBT organization, so they could take me out of the airport as I go to the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees and request asylum so I don't get deported back to Colombia because I'm already a woman. I already run away from this violence from paramilitary forces that do social cleansings in my my neighborhood. 
I couldn't come just back because once you are deported back to your country, you cannot leave your country. So yeah. I was trapped. I, bec- I, I, I was trapped in a catch-22 because so the were, only way of living in Hong Kong is living, but in a legal way. And living legally means I have to apply for refugee status so I don't get deported. If I get deported, I ruin my life. So I applied for refugee status. It was a rather <laughs> process <laughs> because of what happened to me in the airport. It was known nationally. Everyone in Hong Kong knew what happened to me in the airport because I was very badly treated. Wow. And once so I did became, you have any, did you have any recourse to that? Did you prosecute anybody, or did you just have to? I want to do it, but the thing is that uh, right now Hong Kong is falling into full authoritarianism. Yeah, no, the control of the CCP. What can I? How can I sue the state for yeah, what yeah, they yeah. did to me? Because mm-hmm. yes, they detained me. I I was forced to apply for asylum asylum seeking. I lost my possibility of continuing with my PhD. I already had a big part of my thesis written. I was focusing on infections that happen within hospitals, which we call nosocomial infections, and how mm-hmm. we can use systems thinking to prevent these infections from happening, especially in UCIs. So that was. That was what I was focusing on. I, was, so I keep got, thinking you how you in my... Hong Kong. You couldn't return to Taiwan. No. And I got stopped. And I was illegal. So I was illegal. And I want to show you these historic documents that I have with me. Um, so I got this document, which is a refusal notice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is, I've been refused from landing in Hong Kong. And I came from Taipei. They don't call it Taiwan because it's, you know, China relationships. So this person is being detained and this person is liable for deportation after for the notice. Then I, a lawyer allowed me to leave. I want the lawyer allow me to leave. I applied for a refugee status, but then I was illegal because they kept my passport. And in order to apply for refugee status, avoid deportation, I in October 2012, I have to resign my citizenship and wow. get a license passport. And that's how I became stateless after I did yeah. that. So you've been through a hell of a lot. So you became yeah, stateless. I was, you were stateless I was in Hong Kong. Sleep. Yeah, stateless and also homeless. I had to sleep in shelters. I was brutally raped. In mm-hmm. one of the shelters I was stayed. Um, yeah. And so, so can yeah. I just ask you yeah. where you how you got to New Zealand and how long you've been in New Zealand? Well just just before we talk about that, so you I, I read that you you became the first intersex person who was legally recognized as a woman by the UN. Yeah, I wanted to yeah. show that document. First in the world. Yeah, yeah so so there it is. So, There's the UN paper. That's an historical document right there. Yeah. So I see the Chinese. Is, is that Chinese at the top? Yeah, it is the UNHCR office in Beijing. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So this is the Beijing's office for Hong Kong. That office was shut down, by the way. Um, and this that, is a letter from Geneva. That gives you your gender yeah. status today, I guess. So they say wow. this, the, the United Nations recognizes. Uh, my previous name as female. Yeah. And I think that's this is the first time something like that happened in the UN's history. Because yeah, UN amazing, it? it's a very rare yeah. 
is that everything you've told us? I don't, I don't think we've ever, I've ever spoken to somebody that's been through so much. Yeah, and in then such a uh, short space of time. But then, <laughs> from, then from Hong Kong, you had to get yourself over to New Zealand. So, did yeah. you have to apply for? No, status? so no, no, no. After I was raped and I was in hospital for three weeks, I they make an emergency claim that my resettlement was required urgently because only 1% of refugees get resettled. And I was in a very likely risk of never being resettled and being stuck forever in Hong Kong. So thankfully I was raped. So, so what who intervened? What, what, what was it? New Zealand authorities that intervened. Yeah. Yeah. So they, when they make this in, call the, this call for other countries to like could you extend the recognition of the UN because I did not have a legal name change and a legal sex change in yes. any way or form and then so they were a, G, a GRC as we would call it gender recognition wouldn't apply to you would it no no, like a, no. so they were trying to find a country that would extend it recognition without mm-hmm. being a hassle for the legal system and New Zealand says it's all legal <laughs> So New Zealand, Zealand said, yes, we can do that. Yeah. We, we can accept you as female, and then we will accept you fully female as Eliana Rubashkin, and that's how I landed wow. to this country. I landed here that's... with full name and gender recognition. Wow. So when was that? When was that exactly? 2014. So in so, May. So this sort of brings us up to. I mean, we're going to. This almost brings us up bit. to current time. So yeah, because 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 obviously with everything you've said, I can understand why you'd be absolutely furious. There's somebody like Posey Parker, let's call yeah. it for purposes of this, would would have the goal to travel, to travel all the way from England to travel twelve thousand miles, is it? And and yeah, expect I mean, pe- and expect to have a, a good reception in somewhere like New Zealand. If you look at what's was, happened in Ellie's life up, up until yeah, this point, yeah. you know, every step of the way, you, you've suffered because of people yeah, and, there's a, and there's i lost everything i lost my family i you lost my culture yeah. i lost my mom because so i haven't I think, seen my mom in 12 years because so of this, this is, suffering yeah. Yeah. This is the, i think this is the important thing i want to i want to say the, now this is, is the point yeah this this is, when somebody like posey parker who is funded, very well funded by the far right, we know this is true, comes to New Zealand and expects to have a good reception. She, she, you know, she likes to play that she was a victim on all this. And, and we know just, just after you did what you did with the tomato juice, she takes a selfie. That was her natural reaction. It wasn't, oh, my God, please call the police, get me out of here. It was, I'm going to do a selfie and I'm going to make this about me. And that is she even mentioned. She even mentioned the, how bright the diamond in her ring looks like when she was taking a selfie of her. Yeah, because because she's, she's led by ego. Yeah. All about and, self with her. And the, the problem with it is she's got enough people behind her who, who believe all this stuff. I believe all these conspiracy theories about transing children and... Uh, and doctors um, at the Tavistock Clinic and all this, they believe all that stuff. They, they, they absolutely believe it. And this is why she, she it, she's so toxic to me because she doesn't respect, she doesn't represent anything of value, whereas you do, as your story tells us. And now because of what you did, you're only known to most people as the person that assaulted 
this poor little blonde woman from England. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So the, the whole story is ridiculous. I mean, for but me, the, you know, this this kind of what happened with Posey Parker right at the end of the whole thing we well, were discussing is the is kind of like insignificant when we compare that to what you've put up with Ellie for most of your life, the suffering yeah. that you've gone through. You know, this, and I just I think we I mean honestly when somebody and I took this from Posse Parker by the way this is something oh, yeah, she, I took she was from trying, her. she was trying to initiate you into a little group wasn't it's she because she fight. thought she thought so you I were said, part, yeah so I took one of these flags from that stage and it's like <laughs> woman it's a adult human female and like this is how reductionistic they this is how simple they need they want the world to be because they yeah. can't cope with the beauty of complexity yeah, exactly. and the beauty of colors and shades and exactly spectra because it's it's their brains are are so tiny. Yeah. They can't yeah. even understand that well, I it, am in sex. If they if she sees me naked, if she sees me naked, even when I when I before I had any type of surgery, she would not be able to tell. I'm yeah, a man. No, but it doesn't matter. Me. That's your private. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, that's your private thing. But the thing is, this is why I do when I do my like I do some like spoken word performances and I wear this T-shirt. This is like one of her things. And I got somebody I bought this and I said, if I buy this, you've got to give money to mermaids. So that's how I ended up with this. But it's like it's my symbol of re I'm going to own this because it says woman and I identify as a woman, right? And I, I am, have every right to this as anybody else. So that is yeah. the point of that. And it's like these people want to... I've never known anyone so insecure about the word woman that she has to write it three times on all of her clothing. <laughs> you know, this idea that and she's... Look, like, they recognized me as a woman so much that that day <laughs> they gave me this turf club card they gave me this badge well, of honor so let's just let's just um, i'm, I'm let's from just manchester and uh and and that symbol the panker center those colors the the uh, green white and purple they're the, the queer suffragette, the suffragette colors suffragette. and in manchester is where the panker center is and i go that's where i go you know it's, it's based right near the uh, manchester central hospital and i've been there i go there often for just a cup of tea and it's and it's the nicest place. It's just like a little garden, and it's a celebration of whatever female emancipation used to be. Oh, it has its flaws because a lot of them were kind of like you said, they excluded black people for a start. So that the, the history of that is flawed. But um, you know, they don't own those colours. You know, I've got to remember that nobody owns any flags. To, to be honest, but. before we before we kind of do the recap and and talk about what happened on the day with Posey Parker. You know the lead up to that, and what happened on the day, and what happened afterwards. Um, yeah. Did you did you did you eventually get your New Zealand citizenship after you know after you've been in the country for a few years? I would so I, be, I because I was stateless, yeah. I couldn't leave the country, and I was with a laissez-passe type of UN passport that New Zealand gives you which is like a blue passport which yeah. you cannot really use to travel anywhere you can't mm -hmm. even go to Australia and, um, and I apply for a review of citizenship based on my exceptional circumstances at that time I, it was a national party in power and the ministry of internal affairs said no your situation is not exceptional so I got denied citizenship twice Wow. Until Jacinda Ardern uh, won the elections, 
Mm-hmm. And Jacinda Arden, a month after she took power, she offered me the citizenship. Yeah. Wow. There's a, there's a real reason why people hate her, isn't there? Because she's a very progressive leader. She's a woman. That's the reason. I mean, mm. if she would be a man, she would not be getting the hate she's getting. It's just because she's a woman. She's one of the politicians that has been the most hated politician in New Zealand history. Oh, yeah. Because the misogynists, misogynist, Nazis, men, and all this far right, they are so misogynist and they have the perfect excuse and they always need a female face to hate. And Jacinda is just mm. the perfect face for hate for them to hate in Jacinda is hated internationally but I think the love that people have for Jacinda is way bigger than the hate she has because it's one of the most amazing leaders we ever had yeah it's just yeah, you how- do find that I mean, it's like a, it's like Ang- Angela Merkel in in uh, Germany she led the way for the self-ID laws that are about to come in in Germany and uh, you, you're seeing it. There's a, like a lot of pushback in Europe at the moment. A lot of Europe is going to the right, you know, and it's really worrying. Mm-hmm. And uh, this authoritarianism is on the rise. And I think this yeah, it's, it's a part of the, the it's a cycle. Yeah, it's it's misogyny. Yeah, it's, you know, it's recycled yeah, it's, misogyny. It's, I, it's I feel recycled. Like, so, you know, even even once you'd got yourself into New Zealand and you've been accepted, it still took you three attempts to get your citizenship. So now yeah, it was in 2018 where I got my citizenship finally, and it's not something they can take away from me well, because these people are trying. You've got now, right? You don't, okay. you probably don't have your Colombian one anymore. Yeah, and I haven't spoken about that because we we get up, we would get there, but these people are trying to remove my citizenship, trying to deport me to Colombia. They're I can see what they talk on social media and they're like, we have to review her refugee application. You know, these people don't even know how the law works. They don't understand mm-hmm. how the refugee system works because they don't care about refugees. They never care for no. refugees. No. So they don't understand that this how stupid their claims are. You cannot just do that. You know, it's the <laughs> refugee system is a complex ecosystem. It's a very complex system. It, it is... It is so complex that the people is the last resort people use to migrate to another country because it's so horrible. Mm-hmm. I lived in a refugee camp. Refugee camp life is not nice. It's no. as bad as you can imagine, especially if you are a different person. If you are trans, it's a nightmare. If you're intersex, you're a woman. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's uh, sexual violence and mm. it's misery. See, it's, I mean, I mean we see that a lot in England at the moment. Oh. You know, we're we're always the news is always about migrants. The news is always about trans people. The news is always about, you know, there's always some threat. You know, some kind of nebulous threat that, you know, nobody really understands it, but certain people can use it to gain power and sway people's votes. You know, and it's very powerful. People can be very easily. People can like when you live on a little island like we do. The idea that the, the the invasion narrative is very powerful, and it's and it's not just an invasion of coming from abroad; it's an invasion of coming into your life. It's like part of the psyche. So, like this this idea that trans people are invading sports or trans people, it's like complete nonsense. Because it's just even if we wanted to invade, there's not enough of us. <laughs> no. <laughs> and we won't be many and it's just it's like left-handed people that we were suppressing people that were left-handed we yeah. can't even understand why you are left-handed I, and right-handed we just don't know I, but and we were suppressing it i remember when i was growing up in colombia that we were i remember other kids being forced to be right-handed yeah, i remember yeah, that so yeah. 
now that you are accepting that some people are right-handed and left-handed, then naturally the number of left-handed people will look like it's yeah, increasing, so, but yeah, it's was, just because I, people are not being oppressed. Yeah. I was going to say, Vicky, yeah. do, you, and, and Ali, do you think that because we've had a, a we've had like a very long period of progression where we've had acceptance, we've had more acceptance of LGBTQ, and I think there's, but there's this kind of pushback point now. Like there are people that, are, that feel threatened by it because like on social media, and especially, and this is kind of where it plays out, there are people on, honestly kind of exposed to things that they perhaps would never have looked at. They would have never have known about, so it wouldn't have affected them. But it feels like for some people, they feel like, oh, why do we have to look at this? Why am I exposed to Dylan Mulvaney? Why am I exposed to Pride? Why? But it's not because there's more of it. It's just because of the the, the constant, you know, there's like this constant TikTok scroll of everything that, that is so fast now. Yeah, but I mean, people, you know, it's only the, it's only in the past few years that we've really seen the explosion of social media. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I mean, think that, this is that part has of a it. huge part of it. Like, a huge part of it, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. yeah. So there's this kind but, of. But like, we had memes back in the day. We have caricatures that were like I would say caricaturing uh, uh, queer people and also yeah. Jews back in Nazi Germany. If you oh, see yeah. the the caricatures yeah. using, they're not very different from today. I, to be honest with you, I feel that like these fascists are using the same oh, strategy. Exactly they are the not being in, innovative at all. I was thinking that next, that the next rise of fascism is going to be AI assisted. It's kind oh, of yeah, because I've been getting, I've been getting photos AI generated images of me with being mutilated or cut mm. or with knives mm. on my neck or raped, but, and I've been getting very explicit images. I would. I do want to say, like, sometimes in conversations, like when, when I'm in, uh, th this is, uh, when, you know, when you're having a conversations with TERFs are, and they're having to go, I've used chat G D GTP to answer them. So I'll put what they've said into chat and then just reply with a bit of what the chat, and it's, and it's uncanny because all the responses are very, the kind of things that come at you from Twitter could be AI. Because they're so repetitive and and they're from a very specific set of arguments. They're always seem to be about sports, about single sex spaces, about prisons, and they're they're a very specific kind of argument. And it's almost as if there is an algorithm generating it, and that's kind of a paranoia in my mind. Perhaps there is an office. No, it is. And it's, it is because who owns oil AI? It's the big tech in the US, yeah. and they are all far right. Uh, libertarians and they are very scary people and they can aid the genocide of trans and Jews and disabled people even better than Hitler did. It's a Goebbels-like technique yeah, that they use think... now. Twitter is the Goebbels of today's, if you can call it that way. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, it's like the, the, the phrase mainstream media comes straight out of Nazism, you know, this idea that there's a, a controlling media and it's like, but I think... I. I mean, I, I always find it quite difficult to invoke Nazism in a modern context because it's kind of, it kind of like, because, because it kind of like when I, when I was on TV recently, I was talking to a host and, and she's, because I was talking about Posey Parker and she said, so well, everybody's a Nazi now, aren't they? According to you. And I said, well, do you know what? I wouldn't use that word, but you did. And the fact that she did use that word says a lot more about that than anything, because I, I think it's sometimes a lazy comparison to start talking about Nazism, but it's it's the same thing, really. It's recycled. Many, it's, many yeah, times, it's fascism. It? It's fascism in its its nature, in its far ultra, you know, far right, in ultra conservatives, uh, and it, it just looks like fascist. It, it looks like Nazi fascism. Yeah. But then, but then, is, quite literally, yeah. in, in Melbourne, 
You know, we saw what happened in Melbourne and it's like one of the, you know, I saw on Posey Parker's feed, they were saying, who are these pretty boys? These are not proper Nazis. It was like, even they were like sort of saying, oh, these. They call themselves Nazi. Avi Yamini <laughs> is a Jewish Nazi and he says he's the proudest Jewish mm -hmm. Nazi. And mm -hmm. he even, he's right now, uh, he has assault charges because he, he assaulted his wife and he's, he has, mm -hmm. I think he's. He's, he has lots of legal issues for assaulting women, and yet, uh, you know, they love him. Yeah. The far right loves him. She, Posse Parker, had an interview with Abby Yamini, the proudest yeah. Jewish oh, Nazi. Yeah. You I mean, know, a, a Posse Parker, has, she's had many interviews with many people when she did the whole Australian tour that are, are on the extreme right. And um, and when women did want to speak, the women that want to challenge her just get carted off. And there were, I can't remember who it was now, there was a senator. And, uh, she, Lydia Thorpe, she was an indigenous, yeah. Yeah, she, tried, she tried to yeah. challenge her, and it was Posey Parker's security guards that that carted her off. I mean, if that doesn't yeah. tell you something about the kind of, you know, this is not a women's rights movement. This is not a feminist movement. This is an authoritarian, puritanist movement. It's it's like people talk a lot about Margaret Atwood. They they, they call people handmaidens who support handmaidens. trans people, but. But if you but they under they misunderstand Atwood because this is the world Atwood predicted, and it's it's when the women turn on each other. It's like when the women, they, the women become the fascists, and this is what is happening. And it's really sad to see, and and I think it comes out of trauma. A lot of those women that do turn up for Kelly Keane's rallies will have personal trauma. They will have suffered at the hands of men. Yeah, you know? and, and they're, they're looking. They just looking, can't identify the enemy. Yeah, they're and looking I for think something. That, it's called the right wing woman, the book that Andrew Dolkin in uh, because I I heard about that book thanks to ContraPoint's video on yeah. the witch trials of yes. J.K. Rowling. Yeah, that's really and, good. And and that book describes how like it's the reason why these women are so devoted into this ideology is because they don't see that as women they have other value than the reproductive organs mm. that makes humanity like yeah. brings babies to the world. And if that value of being a woman is taken away or detached from the, what a woman means, they mm -hmm. feel they have no space and they feel like they are being alienated because that's the only things they feel they can offer to this world. And that's why you will find a lot of these right-wing women have no education of, um, or they're not very interested in pursuing um, higher education and not trying to blame them. It's just being conditioned in a system that has been telling them that the only value they have is as moms and as raising children. It, it, that, that's something that most of religions does. It's a gaslighting women into accepting the oppression yeah. that men put on them. I mean, there is that. I mean, I'm sure I, I, I totally agree with that. But you do find like in, in Britain, they, they what I would call the the prominent terse, like Kathleen Stark, Helen Joyce, uh, Maya Forster, Stater, they're not poor they're not from poor backgrounds you know they're quite well educated they're very upper middle class women but they know that they can exploit a kind of paranoia and and perhaps a, a, i wouldn't call it a weakness but they know they can use fear narratives to bring people over yeah, fence. I would say that some some of these groups be, that were not fascist to begin with like i, I think jk rowling was not inherently a fascist even though she she kind of has given some whistleblowing and like framing yes. the Jews and the bankers and Harry Potter. But what I'm trying to say is that their hate to trans people is a projection of hate they have for men. Yes. And as they cannot 
attack what? that very powerful man that control everything. They choose what they see as a man in their eyes and they attack that minority because it's a minority easy to target, easy to project your frustrations and your hate. And, and in a way, it kind of like makes you, you I don't know, uh, because the big enemy here is, I would say men, but I would not say all men are, are the problem, but it's just, to be honest, it's men with fascist ideologies and men that have this idea of women as I mean, objects. Yeah, I agree with that. But it's also, I think it comes out of the idea of shame and the way that men, su some men suffer with misogyny as well. You know, there are, there are many men. I mean, I, um, there suicide rates are highest among men and of i think course. that's to, and i think that's to do with the pressures of gender comfort conformity i think there's a lot of men that are probably on a gender spectrum that feel the pressure to be the man you know this is why people like andrew tate are popular this is why people like you know these kind of misogynistic figures that I would say Elon Musk kind of feeds into that a little bit, where it's just kind of about trolling. Mm -hmm. it's, it's about because we suddenly harm standing, and it, yeah. it's not. And it's it's about avoiding feelings. It's about avoiding your actual emotions, and that's what avoiding your do. humanity. Avoiding yeah. humanity. Yeah. I found men as sensitive as women, yet yeah, yeah, women yeah, yeah. are allowed to be emotional and sensitive, put their feelings out. Men are not well, never allowed well, to feel. You. I'll tell you a little story. There was one guy on Twitter who was really abusing me and he was saying all kinds of really nasty stuff. He was comparing me to sexual predators and he, he came up in my DMs and I was like, right, I'm going to like, why are you doing this to me? And he, and he, and he started this conversation with me and I had this conversation. Obviously I would never share this conversation, but it, but he actually broke down. He was like saying, I'm really sorry. I just, uh, and I said, I had this conversation and I've, I've saved it, but I would not make it public. But it was just, it just gave me an insight into how insecure. So the, sometimes the people that come at you the hardest are the most insecure and yeah. have, pro have so many problems. And this is. And the, if I'm very honest with you, I personally have conversations with Nazis mm, that they sure. declare. And I have very enlightening conversations because when you speak with them from the heart, when you stop using these qualifications, sexual predator, pedophile, or when I stop calling them, Nazi genocide, whatever. Like when stop using those qualifiers and we start speaking human to human, mm. then you actually can see that they are human too. And they you start mm. talking and they start seeing that you are actually also a human. And th there is something that clicks in their minds that like, mm. oh, oh, I think I am the monster in this in this uh, well, um, uh, in this uh, interaction. I mean, I've spoke. I yeah. think I spoke to Vicky about this before. I have quite a complicated family. Like my brother was involved in far right organisations, but my brother oh. used to protect me when I was young, and I didn't understand the the group he was involved in. And my mum caught me drawing a swastika on a wall when I was I was about twelve, thirteen, and I've never seen so much rage in my mum's eyes, and I didn't understand why. I just thought this was a gang that my brother was involved in because they used to protect me. So that was like, but but, but my, I was not allowed to speak to him for many years, you know? And that was like something that was real in my life because he's my brother, you know? So it's really hard for me to, to understand the guy that protected me was also a bully. He used to harm other people, but protect me. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of schism, you know? It's part of this masculine, toxic narrative of protection mm -hmm. I, say, I would protect what is mine i would protect yes. my people I my control color, my, people. my people i want my people to 
behave sexually in the ways mm -hmm. I consider correct. Mm -hmm. And that's what is all fascism all about. That's why the degeneracy conversation is so important for them. And to say the idea of degeneracy, it's important to them and to show us as degenerates so they can dehumanize and because they need uh, they need to see us as as nothing nothing human because then they will not be able to proceed with a very genocidal nature exactly. that fascism always has because fascism always leads to some form of genocide it's just an outcome that is natural I'm really, I'm really sorry Vicky I've not let you speak much in the last half an hour but I'll, let, I'll pass it over to you <laughs> I was just, you know I was I was I was going to say should we should we talk about the tomato juice now yes well, this is why people are here isn't it so <laughs> I think what we should start with maybe is let let's start with Should we let women speak? When, let women speak. When when did you first become aware of Posey Parker was coming to your town? I mean, had you been following had you been following I've been following, I've been following Posey Parker since 2019. I was aware of Posey Parker's dynamics when I was at the United Nations. Uh yeah. it is here in March on International Women's Day. Because I belong to a project that is, was the um, monitoring the anti-gender narratives and the anti-human rights agenda within the UN because it's very massive and it's very horrible. Mm -hmm. And I will have some time to later share with some journalists because I actually infiltrated again as a turf and I filmed one of the meetings that they were having with the Belarusian government and the Nigerian mm -hmm. government with an organization called CFAM, which is the largest Christian organization working within the UN, right. same organization that display what is a woman of Matt Walsh in the Nigerian embassy at the UN's CEDAW, uh, uh, which is the com 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 commission, commission on the Status of Women, uh, 67, which was the one I was attending. And I was becoming aware of how Posse Parker is being used as like the lead of this um, far-right uh, agenda of um, genocidal agenda because actually when in that video you can see the language they use it's a demonizing language that is very familiar to me because I remember that same language being used against the Jews Jewish people mm -hmm. um, after all of that after all this understanding how interconnected in global was this dynamic because this is not just the, uh, it's not an anglosphere issue it's, it's this global this is mm -hmm. happening in every single country even colombia is having these conversations about gender too i realized of oh, that big enemy that was Posse parker Posse parker was kind of like the militant version of jk rowling Mm -hmm. But a militant version that was not responding just to Jackie Rowling, but these big, powerful, horrible men yeah. of CPAC. And once I was starting to follow what she was doing, I became increasingly aware that she went to Australia after I was just not long ago. I was in a conference on the refugees and LGBTQI refugees, one of the largest conferences in the world. It was just happening like a few weeks as, as Posse Parker was coming. And how people were mentioning how the rise of uh, hate to trans people was coming out of nowhere. And I, I started to feel how like New Zealand, that has been like a paradise for trans people, just suddenly starting to hear things that I never heard in my life. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And mm -hmm. Posse Parkers is not even here. It's like, this is orchestrated, honestly. This is orchestrated. Mm -hmm. Then I saw what happened in Melbourne. Yeah, I saw that 
in a related event that was disconnected with Posse Parker, but it was in the same climate of rise of fascism in Australia. In Sydney, 500 new Nazis went to attack a group of 15 queer people protesting Mark Latham's One Nation's mm -hmm. leader, who was just saying the most transphobic shit you can imagine yeah and these people all in black shirts went out and if it's not because the police created like a circle around them honestly they will kill them because there were so much violence that mm. day there were so many people with broken faces bones and there was so horrible what happened mm -hmm. that day i saw that almost live i say i can't believe this book that survived pogroms is going to be challenged again with the same type of pogrom nature that my family mm -hmm. had to run away from. Mm -hmm. And it's happening just next door. And the person that is making that possible is fucking coming to New Zealand. I was yeah. desperate. I was, no, mm -hmm. I can't. I don't. Was, and I will not. Was, was, let there, a, was there a movement of uh, trans activists around you? Or did you feel like you were alone? I no no no. This is something that came out as I that day before. I was desperate and I I made this video crying. That video that they portray as I did after the reunion actually did it mm. before. I wanted to feel myself. I wanted to show how I was feeling before because I knew this is gonna cause some um, media attention. Not as bad I was expecting, but and and then it's like I have to do something. I remember reading that book, Rape of a Mind. And I remember reading in that book a part in which they say that authoritarians can't deal with humiliation and, and, and humor. So I decided to choose the most funny way of humiliating a Nazi in the less violent way possible. Which was just tomato juice. Tomato juice. Yeah. Just came, and it was my mom's favorite it's drink. Bloody Mary. It's, yeah, it's yeah the, it connects it's, with, it's with my mom. The mom loves tomato juice. And tomatoes are from Latin America. And tomatoes are non-binary because they are <laughs> vegetables and they are fruits and they also <laughs> hermaphroditic <laughs> because that. they are hermaphroditic. So they are intersex and non-binary, yeah. and they they represent the story of colonialism because tomatoes were taken from my land to become mm -hmm. part of national recipes, pizzas, mm -hmm. you name it. Yeah. It used to show the world how our history is shaped by our actions. And even yeah. colonialism is still affecting us. They colonize our bodies and our identities. We intersex trans people have existed across the history everywhere. We are Idras in India and we've been the thousands of years in India. We were androgynous in the Bible, even though Christians will ignore that because it's inconvenient and it's hard for them to understand that. Yeah. We were uh, mushes in the Aztecs in Mexico. We were Furatena people in the tribes of my land in institution that with this endotype body sex body 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 type in sex characteristics as male or female because we recognize human existence as a spectrum indigenous people did but christianity in its deformations yeah. that come with how Christianity from the from Rome and on in the, the Roman Empire that's why a lot of Nazis love Roman Empire because that's one of like the first fascist like um, empires that we we can rest some memories from. They were the ones that started to eliminate this diversity. 
they're starting to eliminate these uh, these colors from the existence with these narratives and what I call a gaslighting um, religion, just gaslighting human natural way yeah. of being. I was just going to say, so you, you sort of you sort of tried to get you became part of Pose's little group for the day, so they thought you were one of their oh, yeah, so, speakers. So, yeah. that so how, did you, how did you infiltrate and get into okay, that? Okay, so I want to say that the logistics of that event were terrible because you cannot expect a protest of such nature with high levels of confrontation because that's what happened in Australia yeah. to be made in a rotunda. So the rotunda was just like a house in the yeah. middle of a park yeah. and then it was... Thousands of people. I think some people estimate even five thousand people were, and you count. Were they mainly protesters against Posey? Or yeah, there were only like maximum two hundred of supporters of Posey Parker, with yeah. like four to five thousand people protesting against Posey Parker. Yeah, yeah. So they put it like a protect a protecting um security guards. Yeah, and, no, and the, so the rotunda, and then it was an, a protected layer around the rotunda so the, what is the turfs and the nazis and the whoever it was there supporting posse parker and they have a little door that you in order to get to that door you have to yeah. go there and they ask you some questions and they ask me if you are part of the rainbows or something like that and i remember answering literally no i'm not part of that shit i am here <laughs> for women i am here for women and I don't look trans, I don't look intersex, I look like a woman in their eyes. And mm -hmm. It was literally Nazi men that were in that entrance. You would not believe that, but that entrance, the gatekeeping to that rotunda, this is where the new Nazis were standing. So they, they did were not enter. Posey. Yes, they just yeah. they were just the gatekeepers of the rotunda area. Right. I went in and then I started having conversations with these some of them very old ladies. They were giving me yeah. cards, and I have so much like material in well, propaganda. This is the thing with the me. with Posey Parker, she puts these women forward to speak, but it's actually behind the scenes. It's her security, and it's males that are controlling that. And then I signed up. I remember putting my name in a list of emails or whatever, and then they were like, "Welcome to the Terror Club." Sorry, oh, welcome to the Terror Club. Said <laughs> I was like, "You are one of us." It's like, "Yes, I am." And then I convinced them i needed to go inside the rotunda because inside the rotunda it was only tanya yeah it was uh, this other lady she's part of the far right media called yeah, contrast media yeah. danali danali and tanya tanya i, I watched it i watched it live i was watching the the youtube feed of posey parker uh kelly j keen's youtube channel and i was watching it live and i will tell yeah. you i will tell you when i saw what was happening uh, I saw what happened with you, but it was so fast that was that happened within like a couple of seconds. What happened after was really interesting because what what she did straight away was wipe her hair and take a selfie, and then the security had to get her out, didn't they? So she had she was like, but she was like, oh, trying to be all frail, pretending to be all frail and you know upset, and it was really you know. But there's a bit in the video where it looks like somebody was trying to assault her. I don't know if you saw that, but it was somebody with a phone. Somebody had a phone really near, and there were, and uh, it was herself. I think somebody was holding a phone number. They yeah. trying to make like somebody had a knife in her neck. Trying, trying to, to make, make it look like, like something else, but it was them. Yeah. Well, I was actually really scared because because I thought, oh shit, this is it. She's going down because it did look like that from the video because it was just chaos because she was holding the camera, obviously. 
And I thought, really, if this goes, because because she, she was she was a she was among a crowd of people that just don't want you don't she she just should not have been there. You know, if that yeah. if that's a, that security team should have just not advised her. To and you do know what it. is funny? You know what is funny, Freda, that I that the all the queer organizations of New Zealand sue the government. It's such a long file that they filed uh, in, in in the court asking to prevent her from coming to New Zealand. Yeah, the I government did not prevent her from coming to New Zealand because freedom of speech. Yeah, freedom of speech. Because they did not believe they did not believe that she was all these things that we were trying to explain. That all this evidence on how the ties that she has with the far right and neo Nazis and what even. Mm-hmm. Even they ignore what happened in Australia. I think that what happened in Australia was such such a shocking thing that like people didn't really kind remember, of remember like... uh, within all this. Like they always try and portray the trans rights activists are violent, and and yes, violence does happen at protests. But the the point is that she's she's travelled all that way, and she's been funded to travel all that way. She organised that event. She she should take responsibility for what happens there because she she organized it you know she is the curator of our own chaos and if somebody like you as you i think you're in your rights to protest you can't turn around and then say oh my god i'm the victim because you created that stage for that to happen if somebody, if somebody put jews on me i would be able to continue speaking i don't think jews <laughs> is a, uh, it, something it harmful. it wasn't that it was the fact that there were so many people there that were just obviously yes. not going to and to be it. honest with you that's why i regret the action because if i'm very honest with you mm. i think that too much jews may not be that necessary because the people were already very pissed with she yes, being but, around but I, and the I, outcome was going to link to that <laughs> So was, was your is, was your plan to actually speak as well? Is that why you would, you went to the inner? I, I managed to speak, and I needed to communicate the symbology behind the the tomato juice representing the blood of trans people because her words are actually killing us as yeah. we speak. There is many people. Right <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying you're, to justify my action. No. I just really do hate violence. No, I, I really, so really, really hate violence. Your intention was to was to stop her from speaking. And, and yeah, that yeah, that's yeah, what I wanted. Did. I just that's wanted. Happened, yeah. I didn't was, even want it to a single word but from there, her there mouth. There was a meet. There was a meeting recently that she organised in Birmingham, in England, and this a, a, a young non-binary person infiltrated. And as soon as they see somebody do that, I think it happened in Australia as well. There was a, a person that came forward and, and actually tried to counter the argument. And as soon as that happens, they just they just drag that person out because the one thing they don't want is a challenge to their narrative. Now, I've been on TV. Because in... they say the debate. What about the debate? Yeah, well, just I've, have I've, the debate. I've, I would I've, love I've, to have a debate with Posse Parker. I would I've love to. I've been, booked, I've been booked, booked to be in a discussion with her on TV. Uh, you know, and she didn't, she cancelled. Now, I don't know if that was because of me or whatever, but when I was fully up for that debate, I don't consider it a debate. I just consider it calling out because there's no, this is not a debate about whether we're trans people are valid. This is about challenging her story because we know huh. that it's duplicitous. This let women speak thing is not about women. It's not about no. that. It's about trans exclusion. And uh, she's been very useful for people like me. And, and, and it's part of the Joyce. agenda because Patsy Parker is just going to be useful once trans yeah, people is yeah. gone but then, from the face of Earth. Then uh, Patsy Parker will not be needed anymore. What 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 I saw happen over here? Uh, sorry to keep 
going on, Vicky, but um, they doubled down over here and they were trying to say, oh, she, you know, they're comparing it to Nazis. It's not fair. As soon as as soon as a woman speaks out, she's castigated and all this. No, that's not what happened. A group of people quite rightly protested because they've worked out that she is aligned to fascism and there's no getting away from that. And there are certain people now that are distancing themselves from Cozy Parker, but they're still on not board. Jackie Rowling. Not Jackie Rowling, by the no, way. No, no, she, because... no, 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 it's interesting that she did support it. And she does. But then but then again, I don't like to talk about the, the wizard lady too much because um yeah she's know. she's irrelevant and to be honest with you you're right we shouldn't you should we should ignore that she even exists in our lives she's but, just um, she's not case the, if she's lost what was the whatever what was the immediate reaction after you know the the juice was poor was poured what was the what was the immediate reaction you know for yourself and what happened to you after that moment i remember that when <laughs> as she was turning I wish she was turning away too because she was hugging. She was hugging Tanya, mm, and I yeah. produced as she was hugging Tanya. I remember she opened her mouth. I remember <laughs> that action. I don't think she filmed herself, and it was looked funny because liquid came into her mouth, and so she could taste it, and that's why she classifies it as soup. Um, and right after this big, big, big man took me and put me on the side and I just slept because it was the floor was wet with juice or so slippery yeah, yeah. I yeah, fall. And then this guy, somebody I think I saw the video later on because trying to understand why I was so bruised because I was very bruised after all this incident. Uh, a woman came, started dropping the liquids on me, like I guess revenge. And then she she beat me on uh, like that in, in my in my in my ear. I remember because my glasses, this kind of connection, so this part was very sore. It was sore for some days. And as they were taking me down out of that place, I, I, I fall over. I fall over and I yeah, I scratched my leg and I bruised my feet and my jandals got broken. So my jandal got broken that day. Yeah. And this guy was stepping on me. One of the guys that was in the other side, because all the guy also attacked me. I think in the video they show another person also attacking me physically. As And then I fall down. And then when I was fall down, somebody was stepping on me. So, and yeah, I had bruises. I have bruises all over, but you know what? I don't. Com I don't complain about this, and I. Mm -hmm. I don't want even to lay charges for to these people because, to be honest with you, it's a risk I took when I did the juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew. I knew I that say, something police, like that's gonna did happen. The, did the police handle you straight away, or did the police come for you later? No, the police came two days after, but they came a day after. As uh, the, these people, these Nazis, new Nazis, trying to enter to um to my house in wow. Auckland. Wow. Yeah, with so my uh, my apartment. Did you have to sort of? So when go, the so it was kind of, of two days after, I was just thinking, okay, you know, Posse Parker left. Things are gonna calm down. Everything's fine. I was wrong. I was completely yeah. wrong because just two days after, uh, my flatmate told me there are these people with black clothes trying to jump into your balcony in our balcony what can we do out and she went out and then they started to engage with her they started to talk to her and these bastards recognize her mm. uh, and after that 
I just make call for help with my social networks and they said you need to get out of Auckland mm. because these people are trying to chase you it's not mm. for good and that's how I started moving all over the country and so, so you and then I became a, I became a, for a while. one of the most searched persons in Kiwi Farms so in Kiwi Farms Oh yeah, they they find out where I live, my address, everything about me, absolutely everything, even photos of wow, me yeah, naked. I was only everything. aware of kiwi farms from what happened to Kafos, you know, the uh, YouTuber. I'm not even. Yeah, so I, I was kiwi farmed, which is the worst thing that can happen to you because the people in kiwi farm are obsessed and they don't have nothing else to do and. Uh, they were trying to destroy your life and they were trying to dox well, uh, you, identify you. Yeah. So, and I was dogs all over the country. I was in Queenstown. I nearly get killed in Queenstown's Lake, which is a city in the South Island because they identify where I was and the, what happened that day is hard for me to recall exactly everything that happened. And mm. trying to still figure out with police how we can take cameras and CCTVs to find out who wanted to harm me that day. I ended up in hospital after I was in hospital. A, a guy from Dunedin, a very f known person because he ran for the elections, came to pick me up and I was with him for some time. He was protecting me. He's part of these uh, anti-fascist anti uh, mm -hmm. networks. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, he was shot after I was with him in his Gosh. car. He was shot in his car. And after the shooting, I needed to escape, and I left Dunedin. So this he, is serious stuff, you know. Yeah. So he was mm. shot. Some See, people say that. This. Yeah, nobody knows about that because police are investigating. They haven't been able to capture the person who shot my friend. Yeah. Uh, and we don't know with so, total certainty how connected that is with me, my situation, but. This person has never been shot and actually political assassinations in New Zealand are not really a thing. Mm. That's in Colombia, I think, but not in New Zealand. Yeah. So uh, that's something that we will have some time to figure out. But that mm. led me to leave Dunedin and I, well, this, I drove. You see, this, yeah. this, is why, this is why it's so dangerous, you see, because people who defend uh, Posey Parker, Kerry J. Keane, whatever she's calling herself this week, uh, the people that defend her, so she's just one woman standing up for, but but it's not. It's a network, and it's it's a very kind of insidious network of of yeah. You know, and then my friends are starting to be affected. What well, my other friend, and she was in a protest as well. I, I was with her when I I came back to Auckland at some point after I was in the South Island, and when I was. Oh, I think we've lost your sound there, Ali. And she was kidnapped in K Road. She was beaten and then she was dropped in the south of the city. Right. And that's something that police is also investigating because it's that it was deeply related to me because they identified her and she knew it was with me because she took me out of the city. What uh, I took an Uber that night. And then it was that very Sunday that I decided I have to leave Auckland because if my friend is, mm. was attacked in such a vile manner, and then I, I would be next, okay? And I had to move from house to house. I've been living in my car. Then actually I didn't know have resources anymore. And I then went to Rotorua. 
um, that's when I was doxxed and Twitter, they identified me, mm. a group of someone, and they started to harass me. I just wanted really to have a massage after all the stress, and they didn't let me even to have that massage. Uh, I was moving around because people were following me, and I ended up sleeping on the bushes of Rotorua. Uh, for like three to four days and during that time I was sleeping in, in the bushes is when I made this video with Brian right. so that video is that's the context of that video mm. I was really feeling that I, it's I'm not gonna make it because after everything I've been through with my friends yeah so it's, it's very scary then, yeah. I was gonna say do you, do you still feel that you you know you you're under threat do you feel you still feel like uh, to be honest with you right now, I feel things are settling down. Mm. I've been walking around Auckland. Yeah, I know you've been off social media recently. I've been off social media because uh, I'm starting to get rape, rape threats. And mm. I've been starting to get very explicit imagery. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's starting to harass my mom in Colombia. So Oof. they're already going off the rails. And, um, and so I said, you know what, I, I'm just going to go down until until like the court date and until i clear all of the legal stuff and then i will come back because i'm not going to be silent just because of the fear that they want to cause in me because i'm not afraid of dying i always say that i'm not afraid you've you've got to protect yourself you've got to protect what is the situation now you're waiting for the court date is that is that what you're waiting yeah and they are organizing a mob in kiwi farms and via torrent and with telegrams they are organizing a group mm-hmm. of people to come on the court date, I guess, yeah. to take justice well, on their hands. So I, I really hope that these people are not as deranged uh, uh, to mm-hmm. really cause a big mess that day. But I am scared of that day, and I will be asking protection from police that day because oh, yeah. something very bad can happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is yeah. a, this is another thing. The police don't always take these things seriously. You know, I've had to call the police. No, I've they did to... not. They did no. not. They just took it seriously just very recently, and that's really upsetting me, mm-hmm. because yeah. the police was unable to identify the isolated incidents of the things that happened to me. My friends, another friend of mine was beaten by a neo-Nazi in Wellington. Well, okay, so this is an actual neo-Nazi that beat her. Well, we're, so. see, we're seeing this in the UK as well. This is sort of they, they would the, the, the right wing really want to capture the police. And they want to turn, you know, because it's all this anti-woke stuff, you know, like they, they know the police are to have been traditionally trying to, you know, be inclusive. But it's just, you know, the police are such, I mean, at the, it's really hard because I know police officers and I know we, we've actually interviewed police officers on this podcast. But I think at the, the heart of the police is a misogynistic culture. And there's just yeah. no way of getting away from that. And that's and that's that was one of the best one when it was looking like you know we, they were including more. So the, uh, the people that are in. interested to be police, like mostly men, are people that have a natural tendency to use violence to mm. gain some sort of like change or yeah. ends, and sometimes even politically. Because the same happened with the army. People that go to the army, men that go to army voluntarily are either ultranationalists, which are just borderline fascists or sometimes even Nazis. People that really just want to follow a tradition in their family of men going to military, which is I think, mm. I, I think it's just a respectable thing to do. People that just don't have nothing else in life and just want something exciting. Or people that just have a desire to be able to legally kill. So those are kind of how I identify. Well, I mean, sometimes it's like a family generational thing. You sometimes find that the the, the sons or daughters of military people become military. Yeah. 
And that's it. Like and then, my, you know, my, like, my, my dad was in the RAF and he wanted me, wanted me to go down that route, but it was like, you I mean, know, look at this. Just, this know. is, this is my family and this is military. Like, I mean, I know that, that when, for instance, if fascism comes back in the same nature of fascism oh, of the 1930s, we uh, all have Ali, to fight. Yeah, we have Ali, to fight. I don't want to, I don't want to scare you, but it's, it, it's here. You know, it's, it's, it's within, it's within reach of some people, and it's like this isn't, it isn't a joke. It's not a drill. This is happening, and you know, I'm just aware of how long we've been speaking now, but it's, it's, you know, it's been. I, I just think this conversation is such a time capsule, and it's like I really appreciate everything because you've you've told us so much about your life, and and you you're so generous with your time and your words, and I just want to say thank you for for doing this because because I don't I I I was really worried about you doing it because I I don't want to put pressure on you to talk about things that are traumatizing but absolutely thank you for doing this because I know I've probably talked more than Vicky about <laughs> I normally do anyway but if I, I, have you got any more questions Vicky because I think well it's, I think, it's getting I think quite late and... to, I think what we need to you know kind of end on is you know, I know the I know the court case is coming up, and that's probably quite stressful. I'm, I'm sure you're worried about that, but hopefully you've got a good legal team behind you. Mm. And you've got some help there, and, and you know, whatever happens with that, please remember that you know we mm. do all support you. What you did was a very brave thing to do. I mean, mm. I, you know, you, and I just remember if you need consequence any, if, of it, you know, yeah. have been horrendous. Um, we don't know. And I'm. I, I am unfortunately considering leaving the country permanently. And I think uh, what happened on the 4th of July is going to be a thermometer of how bad the situation is for me personally. Mm, yeah. If things go really bad, then I will de definitely uh, start planning leaving this country permanently. Mm. Because uh, even getting a job is difficult for me because all, all this harassment of these losers will not stop just with even Post Parker just disappearing from the planet Earth because they just hate me so much because I am Jewish, I am trans, I'm intersex, I'm a migrant, yeah. I'm a refugee, I'm from Colombia. I have all those things that they just simply hate. But no, but and, those, are, those are your powers. Those are your superpowers, Ali. Don't let anybody take that away from you. And if you need any information, I'm sure you're you know all about Posey Parker and Kai, but we, I've done a lot of research myself and the Trans Safety Network was a group that we that do research this stuff and we, we've found links to Nazism and we this is why I got talking about it in the first place so I just want to say like if you want to follow Trans Safety Network this is for people watching as well you know just keep your eye on what they're posting because this kind of brings like what everything Ali has said today is is you know it, it's important to, to create like a, a a document this is a document of history it's not just an interview. It's just like this is what it is, and so and yeah. it's a, I just want people to keep in their minds that a daughter from a refugee, from Holocaust survivors, who's trans intersex and who's Colombian and indigenous, did this action against Posse Parker because of that same history, because exactly. of those same motivation. Yeah. I do believe to have enough enough reasons to have so, done that action, and in so, the less violent way. And I think on that note, we should all raise a glass of uh, tomato juice. Well, I've only got beer, but I'll raise my glass. <laughs> mine, almost. Yeah, there we go. My bloody Mary. Oh, love to the tomato. So thank yeah. you, Ellie. And so, Ellie, do you, have, a, do you have any plans beyond 
you know, the, the, the near future? So as you all know, I'm unemployed and it's very hard. It's going to be hard for me to get a job. And this is something that turns off rejoicing because mm -hmm. I, they're like, oh, we, we messed the life of this person. But they just don't know that I'm very resilient and I've been go I've, I've gone through so much shit in my life yes, that this have. is just nothing. This is just another chapter of my life. Yeah. I don't see Posse Parker in this situation as any relevant in my life because this yeah. is absolutely nothing we have been through my entire life. And this is what these new Nazis dogs in me don't know. I come from Colombia where actually I could see people being killed in like in in the na my naked eye. Yeah. And I saw those things and they don't, they forget what I'm built, how mm -hmm. I was built as a person mm -hmm. in my resilience, in my knowledge, in my ability to actually even communicate my ideas in different languages. Because I speak Russian, I speak Chinese, I speak Hebrew, Portuguese, English. I, because my life story has given me the skills to actually even communicate in different languages. It's not because I am a nerd with languages or so on. It's just life has forced My mom told me, they cannot take away from you your knowledge. They can take oh, wow. everything from you, your job, your citizenship. You become stateless. You can lose your even your PhDs. You can lose everything. But your education, your knowledge, that's something that nobody can take away from you. And I thank my mom for giving me that, that um, advice because, yes, I've lost everything again. But I have all the tools to make it again alive, to make it alive again. Yeah. But you know, Ali, there's so many people going to be watching this that support you. And and, and, and and while we can argue whether what you did was right or whether, you know, you should have done it or not, you did shine a light on something that needed to be exposed, you know, and, and you're, yeah, you're part of that. And I, you know, we can all, we can all. We are, we you know. we all part of this because it's. If I would have that action, and we would not have the support of the protesters, I, things would go in a different way. Like this action this is could protest have some Yes, yes. And what you don't know is that 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 what has happened in the rotunda. There was another protest by Brian Tamaki in Destiny Church with a Christo-fascist movement. Yeah. Very dangerous. Very dangerous in New Zealand. Very oh, dangerous. Yes. They, have, they have the mobs and the, all of these motorbikes and all of that. They were planning to come from Aotea Square to Queen Street and then to Albert Park and to crush all the protesters in between the turfs and them. They want... The, the idea of this protest was not just to let women speak. It was to unite the New Zealand far right. Yeah. So that, that was that. the whole. Yeah. I've seen that so, on, the, on the podcasts that were around it, you know, because I was I started to look at New Zealand, right, the far right in New Zealand. And I've seen some podcasts and people talking quite openly about trans people being pedophiles and things like that. So we knew I knew this was happening. So, yeah. And it, so. Just we always like to start end on a positive, don't we, Vicky? Yeah, so, I mean, we're just gonna, yeah. we're just going to send you, you as all the love, Ellie. Thank you so much for doing this. I know it's very difficult to talk about these things for you, but yeah, huge thank, thank you. you. Um, yeah. yeah, and power to the juice. Yeah, all juice. Power to the juice. juice <laughs> thank you. Well, yeah, thanks. and and I just want to thank you for um, making you know your boys heard because we need trans people tell our own struggles yeah. in our own way and not to let you know 
others tell you know the suffering and pain we experience because you are getting so much hate in your private messages emails and also me and mm -hmm. no one can feel what it feels to feel this fear mm -hmm. unless you are trans or you well, are like, gender ex exactly i know if i check twitter now just right now there'll be a message like a horrible message from somebody yeah it's just it's just we, we come to accept it we shouldn't have to accept it but we do mm -hmm. So, you know, we will get them. We'll get them in the end. And then the good thing is that for, they tried for thousands of years eliminating us and they haven't been able to and they won't be able to and we will not let them and we are in the right side of history and we will win this fight. And I know about that. And I know that tomatoes, tomatoes are going to be a sign or a symbol of trans, intersex and non-binary liberation. I'm so sure about that. Yeah. Well, thank you. So. Yeah. I think that yeah. wraps up uh, oh, yeah, a good interview. That, well, I think we'll sign on. We'll sign us. Sign ourselves off there. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So, um, anybody who's watched, um, thank you for watching the whole thing. And um, please subscribe. Please like. Please come back again. Mm -hmm.